Hello and welcome. It's another season, season three of the Overclock <laughs> Podcast. Season one was done under other circumstances, so we don't really count that. So Lindsay. we just count from season two. Lindsay, like, you are the man for all seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Kevin. I am back. Um, you might know me as that opinion guy from YouTube. You might know me from my website. But right now, I am at Brownies and Downies with my good friend Gavin Dudley for another episode of the Overclock Podcast, the most high-octane tech podcast in all of the land. How are you doing, sir? Good, thank you. We've already established that we don't need to review last year because nothing particularly spectacular happened as far as we're concerned. <laughs> a little bit of data privacy, but we decided it doesn't bear returning to because it was hammered to death at the time. Oh my goodness. Oh, he's struggling with his tech. He's got too much I am, tech, ladies I am and gentlemen. Struggling he's got with my microphones tech. and dongles. You've got to see this. Someone should post a picture of. He's got this poor phone, a poor iPhone, mind you, with got about 16 different of, things. This is the, one into. of the best phones of oh 2018, Gavin. Where's that this cable even going? going? It's going, oh, it's going into the mic. Oh, oh my goodness. And it's supposed to be receiving You've got power. to see this, guys. It's got an it's iPhone with a, power right now. a bracket with a microphone with a cable plugged into a dongle which goes into the bottom of the iPhone which is standing on a tripod and then he's got his notes running on a phone with a keyboard on the side with a wireless charging device. I mean, it's like recording a podcast. Me, I just arrived with my phone, you know. But anyway, Kevin. Uh, all right. <laughs> Moving Let's on. Let's dive straight into 2019. And 2019, as every other year, kicks off with the Consumer Electronics Show, which you're not allowed to call it anymore. It, it has, has to be called CES. 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 CES in Las Vegas. Every... You've been there a couple times, eh? Yes, I have. I've never had the pleasure, actually. No, well, I've discovered it's the kind of place you really want to go with all your mates. I've been lucky in that I've been there with a whole lot of other sappers, so we can jack around and laugh at the funny statues in Caesar's Palace and so on. But I've also known people who've gone there, like, on their own, and then it's not nearly as much fun, really. But Las Vegas definitely worth visiting, just for the spectacle of it. Yeah. You're a big fan. You're a big fan. Um, mm. And then this year was all about... Apple, actually, who never well, actually go to CES. Yeah, they're like above it, you know, they're too good for it, you know. How I, it I think the first iPhone was launched at the conference in California, and then a whole bunch of journalists had to fly out from Las Vegas, leave the show <laughs> to go <laughs> to get the Apple event. To the, <laughs> to the first iPhone launch. Oh. And they, they just trolled the industry. So they rolled out with this massive billboard on the side. I'm sure you've heard yeah. this news already. It was all about what, stay, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Which is like a play on the what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and yeah, this like yeah. faced the entire show so area. It was kind of guerrilla marketing. Yes. So, I mean, in case you haven't followed, the point is that Apple doesn't go to the biggest electronic show on the planet, and instead just posts a billboard so everyone can know yes. that you know they're basically the gorilla in the room that no one can see. Yes, and they all about data privacy because data privacy was the big story about last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that whole billboard is a complete fallacy. I mean, <laughs> someone posted a funny quip so. How does it go? What happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Oh, does that mean that iCloud's down again? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually see that, but that is clear. But anyway, why they were, for me, the center of attraction was they finally released not only the iTunes app, where you can watch all the videos, video content on, to the Samsung Smart TVs from 2018 and the, those launching in 2019. They also released HomeKit to the other manufacturers, which is their smart home platform. Um, so those like LG, Sony, in the States, Vizio can all use the HomeKit app now to, so you can cast. And then AirPlay 2, so you can cast from your iOS device or your Mac devices 
two Apple devices to the TV are all available on like non-Apple devices now, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The signal to the industry is that it seems almost certain that Apple will now never make its own television set. They are now looking to integrate with other people's television sets because, of course, that's where the money is. Making uh, physical products is like a losing game, basically. It's just a commodity-based game. But owning part of the ecosystem and owning the content back-end and owning the subscription services, that's where the money is. So I guess Apple's just laughing at all the TV makers and going, you go right ahead and make all those TVs. We're going to make all our money off the content and you're going to let us do it. So as usual, as usual, Buzzkill Buzzkill Dudley (laughs) attacked my Apple fawning ways in our... Google Keep note that we set up for this episode. And he's saying that there'll be no change for South Africans. Um, but I'm saying, hey, let's give us options now. So if you want to get a iPad as a rather screen, as your second screen device, you can now cast things from your iPad. And there's less limitations now. There's less friction. Yeah, I mean, we, we can now move between ecosystems at will. Yeah, and without all these like backdoor... For those who are not Apple fanboys, AirPlay is basically Apple's own proprietary Wi-Fi system yes. which allows Apple devices to talk to each other. But if you have a non-Apple device like a Samsung TV and it has AirPlay protocol installed on it, then it behaves like an Apple device and other yes. Apple devices see it as an Apple-friendly device. And in this way, you can cast from your iPad, from your phone onto your Samsung TV. Yeah. So the crazy thing, the craziest thing about all these announcements is all these smart TVs, and yes, I have now turned around because of this <laughs> announcement, I now say, yes, let's build the smarts into the TV yep. because now all the people can have all of the things. Um, but the biggest thing was that for the manufacturers to get HomeKit, which is Apple's proprietary mm-hmm. smart home platform, they had to promise to switch off their content tracking when an Apple device is paired to the TV. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't because get to that level of Because what smart TVs do, okay. if you've ever set up a smart TV, you know, you'll notice there's always something with like additional features. Like, do you want to access these additional internet yeah, connected yeah, features? Yeah. And it's actually the TV reading the glass, seeing <laughs> what content you are using, and that's feeding that back to the manufacturer, and the manufacturer sells that data off. Yeah. Or, like, they yeah, improve their marketing, and they get like different deals on that data, mm. or they just sell it off wholesale. Yeah. Um, so, they what I didn't understand was what I didn't know at this point if you plug an Apple TV into one of these smart devices those things are actually still accessing the data so when you play something on the Apple TV they are actually tracking that yes it's grabbing whatever's going through the TV but now if you have like the native you view airplane content to your LG TV now like LG cannot track what you are watching which is amazing okay I mean gosh I'm in a difficult position on privacy (laughs) it's as though you have to fight against invasions of your privacy on so many fronts that I just got tired and I just freaking gave up. And it's like, now if I want to keep something private, I'll just keep it to myself in my head. I'm not going to write it down anywhere. Yes. I'm not going to, you know, because I just can't fight privacy on all these fronts. Okay, but again, my bigger picture on the TV story is that I think we shouldn't be under any illusions that the TV is a whole computer. Yes. Don't think it's anything other than a whole computer. There's now so much processing power on board there, internet access and so on. It's a whole computer. It's just a very big tablet, let's say, you know. So um, don't think of your TV as a dumb machine. It's become a very smart machine and it can process video streams. It can process data. You can browse the web on it. It can take phone calls. You know, it's like a real computer. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, now is the time to buy a smart TV. If you're looking at one, 
get a 2018 or 2019 model and the crazy thing and i wrote a blog post about this on that opinionguide.co.za I've always recommended LG TVs as being yeah. the best. Yeah. Te technically, yeah. they are the best. Yep. And they rolled up to CES and they came up with this rollable fucking yep. OLED display. It was amazing. Sorry for the curse words. <laughs> <laughs> I just get very passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. And it's this amazing technical achievement. Yeah. And just completely overshadowed by Samsung not really bringing any new technology except uh. for the micro LED wall thing where you can like bold your own size. No, no, no. I think, I think people who were watching CES astutely picked up on the LG story. So here's our goes there's a big box it's almost like a sound bar but yeah. it's a bit bigger there's like two sound bars stacked together let's say it sits in your lounge on a table there and when you're ready to watch you press the button and the screen basically slides out of the yes. box and slowly grows bigger and bigger it is absolutely amazing to watch I mean even when you look at it closely it's hard to understand how it works you can see the panels that are knitting together you can see the arms that are lifting the screen up but you still can't understand how they curled up the screen inside the box it's truly amazing it's like a, it's kind of magic and i mean it's definitely the way to go now you don't have to have a big rectangle sitting in the middle of your room you can pack it away easily with a touch of a button when you're done definitely the future of tv i reckon of course Samsung and others who don't have a roll-upable screen are going to poo-poo that as quickly as possible as though it's not important, but actually it's, it's the way of the future. It's just going to be a bit inaccessible to most people because well, it's probably going to come in at like 40 grand. Yeah, well, it's just a concept product now. but No, it's, know, a, oh, no it's a production, production product. Yeah, but then they're going to sell like two of them, you know, in South Africa. Yeah, but, but then Samsung comes in with their native iTunes app. Okay. Exclusive to Samsung TVs mm. going back one year, like 2018 and iTunes 2019. App. Yeah, so so for some, of the someone who it. is yeah. heavily invested in iTunes, <laughs> I actually <laughs> pre-ordered the Into the, Spy Into the Spider-Verse movie already. Okay, all right. Okay. My son could watch it because Nicole wouldn't let I me. I mean, it, it just it continues to be a source of interest to me. If I remember a time when iPhones, despite all the fuss, were less than 5% of the South African phone sales and they i think they're a little bit bigger than that now they're more like kind of in a seven seven percentage position but if seven percent of south africans own iphones what percentage of those are signed up for itunes for paying itunes that is i would say less than half yeah which means there's a tiny number of people but you know? still now those people have options well like all, all five of them yeah well i'm very happy for you <laughs> And the Samsung TVs are now the option. Yeah, but yeah. that doesn't detract from LG's amazing OLED yeah, yeah. vision. I mean, the, what they're doing with those screens is amazing. Um, and that, let's just segue mildly into this Netflix versus DSTV thing. Yeah. That's being blown out of proportion by the okay. media. Like, okay. people are, like, dude, I can't afford premium DSTV. I'm now on the second to, like, the next tier one. Okay, I think it's like compact plus but you're still getting some sport are you getting the rugby probably not uh, no 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 yeah, I mean, yeah. super sport one the premium movie channels not there i think so my movie, then what are you getting my channel started one? like the the action plus one okay i'm guessing this is cartoons for your kids why, yeah. why else and they you? actually added nick jr in january whatever that is yeah nick jr used to be exclusively on premium and now it's on compact plus so i'm happy okay like my kid my so, sorry, just how much are you paying on the compact thing? 350, 500? No, I think it's something like 600 bucks. 600 bucks yeah. for your kids to watch cartoons every yes. month? Oh, please. Spoiled rotten. <laughs> no, okay. no, if I was paying 600 bucks, I would happily pay the 300 extra and get the rugby. I mean, 
No, that's you, outrageous. You see, that, that's a, that's if you see value at 600 Rand, then I would easily. Th- there's more than that. It. There's other people in the household who also watch other things oh, on okay, other channels. Right, okay. Play is big in my household now. <laughs> Whatever the, that is, I don't the know. The cooking what channels are, are, sure, are massive. Sure, sure, okay. Like, yeah, so well, I mean, as a, as a content platform, okay, it's a so, good fallback, especially when the internet is down. So, so what, has been, what has been blown out of proportion by the media? Um, Netflix versus DSV. Which one will win? No okay. one. No one wins. Because mm-hmm. Netflix, you can't watch live sport. You, you can't, can't watch news. Yeah, you, there's, there's, well, there's those comical Sunday shows. Yeah, I mean, those are just more like stand-up. Yeah, more really, like yeah. international sort of stuff. Uh-huh. And like 90% of the content on Netflix is trash. Even the Bird Box movie that was so... I don't know about 90%. I mean, I'm finding endless amounts of stuff to watch all the time. Very so. interesting. Yeah. High, high quality. Uh, yes, tons of it, yeah. Dude. I mean, I'm, I'm deep inside the uh, Titans series at the moment. You know, that's the, okay. the yeah. DC Comics. Yeah, I'm deep into that, but I've got a whole backlog of stuff to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mm, but I'm, then I'm, everything that you dig is kind of then killed within like two seasons like Daredevil's oh, dead now yeah, but by then you already got caught up in something new so you don't even <laughs> notice anymore you know but anyway okay. there's, there's a, there's a there's, um, okay let's be generous 80% of the net of the content on Netflix is absolute trash mm. um, okay then you're gonna get like the reruns on DSTV but the difference is if you are into live sport and you're into timely movies being launched on like what platform these are mm. there, there are two different audiences that prefer different things sure. I'm, I'm not down with this whole cord cutting and it's not a race to the bottom I don't think it's a race to the bottom I think there's a space for everybody to play I mean I mean can you really see a future for non-on-demand TV like broadcast TV where you just watch whatever they serve um, in, the, in that hour kind of? for certain people who have complicated internet issues yes Okay, Okay, but complicated internet issues is bigger than just watching TV. If you don't have proper internet in your house, you've got major problems. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. So, um, 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 my issue with DSTV is the complete monopoly of sport that they've yeah. secured. And I think, I mean, at a business level, they've done an excellent job of spending the money to secure excellent broadcasting facilities. And that's what gets them the rights. They do an yes. excellent job of it. Um, and they're producing a lot of yeah, these yeah, broadcasts yeah. Well, which fantastic. costs a lot absolutely, of money. Absolutely, but of course, um, what's really costing them is that the sports unions are just pillaging them every time. Yes. So, you know, so actually Saru is what's making the rugby expensive in the end, not DSTV, yeah. potentially. Yeah. So, on the one hand, you do want to be a little angry with them because you can't see the rugby unless you pay a fortune. On the other hand, it's only costing DSTV a fortune because the sports unions are charging yeah. them in, in return, be it the soccer, be it the rugby and so on. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I, I don't think there's a winner in this. I don't think the two are even competitors. Sure, sure. I, I really don't feel I mean, I, I am currently subscribed to Amazon Video and Netflix, but I can see in my future that I'm going to end up subscribing to the Disney channel that, that's yes. about oh to launch goodness. as well. That is and be not because I like Disney per se, but because it's got all the Marvel and all this other yeah. stuff, you know? And if HBO came here with Game of Thrones and another four or five great shows, uh, same problem again. But, you know, if each of them is costing a uh, hundred bucks you know each and I'm on six different channels and it costs 600 rand that's infinitely more content than I would have got for 900 rand with, with DSTV so, so with, with cutting all of the premium DSTV mm. channels I've now been leaning on my friends who are dirty pirates um, <laughs> and I, I appreciate you um, you keep doing what you're doing I love your work um, keeps me up to date with all the things that I can't watch anymore um, and I've 
have this NAS now, network attached storage okay. that's supposed to serve I everything. I want to hear about that. And then I've been having problems that whenever like the internet goes down, there's no like peer-to-peer -peer networking that happens because I have to access through the Synology app. Yeah. So you need an internet connection to then log on oh. and you must then be I also on because it's through the browser. Yeah. But okay. then I... Hang on, Synology. So Synology is? Synology is a company that makes all sorts of network storage um, yeah network yeah. storage the network switches mm. um, routers okay. I mean I think they're kind of the gold standard they're like the Apple phone yeah. of storage yeah. of, of, of domestic storage yeah, small business so storage. this is yeah, yeah so I have two drives in there I have a 6 terabyte drive and a half terabyte drive that's right um, and it's plugged directly into my router and right. wirelessly you can access it so, from so for those who don't know how network attached storage works it's not like USB plugs that you plug yes. in the PC you plug the whole storage device straight into the network yeah, yeah. okay yeah. And then there's apps that run it. And then I had a, a file compatible, an audio file codec compatibility mm. issue with one of a series that I watched, one episode. Okay, so the video would play, but, but the audio no, no stream audio. Didn't come. Yeah. yeah, okay. And I mean, then mm. I was speaking to a friend of mine, and he's like, dude, just use v VLC, mm -hmm. which is a, mm, a, a client, uh, a video playing an client. Yeah. yeah. Um, which also does, it can read your network and stream yeah. off of your yeah. yeah. devices. And then within that, you can connect to the the NAS in two different ways. You can go UPnP, uh -huh. which is universal plug and play, plug and play mm -hmm. um, which then it goes directly to the NAS uh -huh. on the network. The so NAS is the network attached storage, yes. the Synology thing we mentioned. So it connects earlier. directly to there and fetches uh -huh. the file and brings it down okay. and then like and does, like decodes it. Right. Um, and it worked perfectly. Or you can go through, you can access. Um, I think there's some folder permissions that I have screwed up because okay. I can't get my series to show in the UPnP. Yeah. But it shows if you go into, there's like another section in the app, there's another yeah. tab where you actually go into the storage device. But you have to log on into that client as well. Right. So it can either pull the file like the storage is a media server yes. or it can pull the file like it's a file. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. And this has solved all of my issues with okay. codecs. Was interesting. I actually did a test where I plugged out my internet cable. Okay. And it worked fine. Right. So now you're, you're streaming your stuff just on your local network, yes. which is how it should yes. be. You shouldn't need internet access to get onto your storage yes. device to, to make stuff stream over your local network. Yeah. And that yeah. has just been the solver. So bullet. VLC, but VLC is what video LAN. I forget something what, what it yeah. stands for yeah but it's it's been the default kick-ass player of all file yeah. formats since forever vlc if you can't get something to play vlc will yes. get it to play yes, definitely. now what we're saying is that instead of just playing stuff on your pc vlc will also do an excellent job of pulling stuff through your network especially yeah. if you've got network attached storage yeah. and all you have to do is just set up your device to plug into your network your right. home network and you turn on the UPnP yes. service on your storage device yeah and then yeah. it works perfectly all right and there's no other setup involved which okay. is amazing it's just the world you want to live interesting. in interesting okay I'm, I'm actually going to try that so one of the things you find is that depending on how good your storage device is some of them will decode on the device itself yeah. which means it can upscale it or downscale it and so on but that's only sort of the mid-range and upwards devices. If you have an entry-level device, it kind of has to decode often on your device, on the phone or on the TV, whatever's playing it. So, you know, that affects. But the UPnP means that it will decode on the storage. Yeah, yeah. on the storage. So it will convert it to whatever you need on your client side. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good.
I'm cool. Okay, UNP. I, I haven't really thought about UPNP before. I'm sure I've got it enabled, but I, I just don't think about what's going on when it plays. When so it let's plays. just mm. move this, like circle this all the way back again. Okay. Another thing that's good about HomeKit, Apple's HomeKit, mm. is majority of the functionality with HomeKit is UPNP enabled. Ah. Whereas okay. if you're going into like Google Smart Home platform, yeah. then everything goes to the cloud first and then comes yes, back Yes, I've heard this problem. Yeah. I've heard about this problem. Yeah. So Amazon... Maybe, maybe you should explain what HomeKit sort of is. Okay, so HomeKit is a software platform where you can then add in like developers, like people who make smart cameras. Yeah. Can, can people plug. who make hardware or people yeah. who make apps and software use HomeKit as a way to interface with Apple products. Yes, yeah. yes, and then everything can be controlled through like Siri or something, yeah. so you can just tell Siri, hey Siri. Yeah, so if, if you want to make thing. use of Apple products, then you use HomeKit to make your product interface with the Apple yes. product. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. so you use the APK, the application package. Mm. Okay. Okay, so interfacing, yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, okay. this, this yeah. gives you control of your smart home devices. Right. Um, so we so Apple will do everything on your local area network, so on your home Wi-Fi setup or on your home network setup. Mm. So you will give the command to the device. To play. Yeah, to play and it will do it on your home network. Whereas Google will take that command, send it to the cloud, figure out what the command is. Mm. Maybe try and contact the other, the third party device manufacturer app yeah. and then go tell the app in the cloud, do this thing and then it does it. Yeah, which is fine when you have kind of first world levels of connectivity because yes. all that happens, you don't even know it's happening because it's happening so fast. Yeah, it's like watching paint dry. You know, and so I think you know. Alexa also, Alexa's skills, so all the first party skills, so it's, I think it was the, also first, works locally, the first 200 yeah. skills That's right, that they added locally. Yeah, are yeah, yeah. also optimized for UPnP. Yeah, they yeah. don't have to go off-site to go and figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. okay. So if you... Getting into the smart home thing and you want to do it on the cheap. Man, or? smart homes in South Africa. I just, I'm filled with trepidation for how it's going to go. You know, my feeling is the vast majority of South Africans are nowhere near ready for smart home stuff. We don't, no. we don't have the internet for it. Yeah, yeah, we don't have the internet. I mean, you know, I mean, what the passes for internet here is like, uh, yeah. Okay, but it's a separate subject. We'll yeah. get back to that. Because, like, you, you, you also reach a point where. You want to do this. You want everything to happen by your voice, right? You yeah, want to tell yeah, your TV, yeah. Yeah, turn on this channel. Yep. But to interface all of that, to get all of the manufacturers to talk to each other, uh, is a bit of a ball ache right now. But yeah. it is getting better with announcements. <laughs> it's, it's a bit stressful. Uh, it's a bit difficult. It's a bit labor intensive because you have to kind of program things yourself. Yeah, but yeah. once it works, it works magically. But with all the convergence that's happening now amongst the tech community, where they're noticing that consumers are wanting to pick up every single new hardware product that comes out anymore. They're moving to software services, software encryption. Yeah. They're making it easy to talk to your existing stuff. I think it's an amazing time to be alive. <laughs> and that takes me neatly to finish up this podcast. And Gavin, uh -huh. this is our first episode back. Uh -huh. We were down for a good couple of weeks yeah. over the Christmas break. What was your main tech story? Like personal story? My thing was getting the VLC thing to work. And um, my story is printing sounds really boring right well i mean the way this unfolded in my mind was i remember a time when phones oh, you wet yourself with excitement I know. Um, when phones didn't have cameras and then phones suddenly all did have cameras 
and then suddenly there was Facebook. But there was a period in between where phones had cameras and Facebook hadn't arrived yet. And in that period, the idea of printing stuff at home became a really big deal because everyone was taking pictures like crazy. Yes. And, and color printing sort of had a little spurt and then it just became hell of a complicated. Because the printing ink became so expensive, the print head got combined with the print ink and the print ink cost more than French champagne and then you needed the photo paper and then the ink jets would... And the resolution wasn't there and it was just yeah. a poor experience. And so, so, so home color printing got off to a bad start, I feel. Most people had a bad experience. Um, but I've gone back to color printing at home. I just realized I print out just endless numbers of pictures someone just plain paper so I could stick up pictures of my kids doing stupid stuff then we'd all laugh at them and that would be fine the picture will stick on the wall with press stick for a month or two and then it will go away and that would be fine on the other hand printing out high resolution glossy A4s and A5s and framing them and so on and I'm finding that after all this accumulation of photos on memory cards and hard drives and phones and in the cloud no one actually goes back and looks at any of their truly cool photos but you print out a couple and then you know those, those events get sort of commemorated in your home and you you can actually see your family developing as an entity all this kind of stuff so it sounds a bit nostalgic but wherever you are you've got great past memories probably captured on photos that either no one's ever seen or you yourself have forgotten about and I've discovered that printing can be a lot of fun so I spent the whole bloody, holly, the whole bloody holiday printing some high def, some low def, all looks great. And my home is now full of family pictures. So. And you had to take an extra button for the ink that you used. <laughs> yeah, this particular <laughs> printer was like completely outrageous. I was testing a printer. It's a 10,000 Rand printer. We know you ain't gonna get a 10,000 Rand printer. printer. No, it's not. It's an Epson. It was superb. So, um, it, um, and of course, they sent me lots of photo paper. So, all this was made terribly simple for me. But, you know, even if I only had a pack of 20 pages, I think I would have got great value out of this. Of course, if you're not going to go for home printing, I recommend you go through your photos anyway, and you can email those straight to your photo print shop at the mall, or take them over on a flash drive, or take them over on your phone, or whatever it is, and just let someone print out 20 great pictures for you. Yeah, email for all those iOS users out there, because... <laughs> God knows the file management on iOS is still a terrible, <laughs> terrible place to be. Oh, yeah. It's better, though, on I that note, uh -huh. I think we can close this podcast out. It's a long one. Uh -huh. Kick of the year. We had a lot to talk about. Um, I'm Lindsay Shooters, that opinion guy. Sharpshooters on Twitter, that you, opinion you, guy. You didn't really tell us what you did in the holidays. Uh, I well, you messed around me. with your storage device. I, I was just me. I took some time off. I reassessed my life. I got some strategy back into what I'm doing. Okay. Um, and yeah, I dealt with a lot of car issues. Uh, okay, okay. What were the last three recordings you made on that opinion guy? Um, I know there was one on the rugby. There yes, was there one was, on transport. Yes, yeah? there was one on transport. Um, by the time this is, it will be simultaneous with my iPhone XR video. Mm. which actually turned out to be a meta commentary on overlooked devices Ooh, and yes. why you shouldn't Excellent. actually buy any new devices this year unless you really want to throw money away. You should eat your own dog food, <laughs> Mr. Take-A-Lot Whore. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, I buy things so that I constantly have a credit because I return things and then I can just buy dog food for free in my mind. <laughs> All right. They, they it's just all has good. like 700 rand of my money. Like, it's all money. good. Yeah, it's in a cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where you can find me on the internet. Gavin? Um, tech Magazine Zar on Facebook is where mostly where we post whatever I find interesting. Do hang out. And from there, you can join our YouTube channel if you want. Not a whole lot going on there this week, but soon. Yeah, like, share, subscribe. 
and have a great time. See you next week. Bye. See you around.